Welcome to the Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Welcome back to episode number 187 of the Healthy Skin Show. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about chemicals in our environment and how they can impact your skin, not just what's floating around in the water, but also what could be found in products and some pretty shocking information. We're having a guest come back. You've heard her before, Laura Adler, and I loved digging into this conversation. I know you guys will love it as well. But first, I want to give a shout out and say thank you so much to all of you who've been leaving incredible five-star reviews of the Healthy Skin Show on iTunes. Most recently, I read a review from Kay Neat, and they shared that listening to this show has made going through TSW, also known as topical steroid withdrawal, so much more tolerable. This show found me at a time where my clinicians were being dismissive of my concerns and unwilling to diagnose me with TSW because they didn't believe it existed or was a true diagnosis. Listening to Jennifer and the clinicians she brings on the show that do believe in TSW gives me hope. Jennifer's kind words at the end of the podcast always warm my heart. I will be sharing this podcast with the TSW community online. Thank you so much for believing in us. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I really appreciate the review. And to be honest with you, the reason that I'm so passionate about sharing in regards to topical steroid withdrawal or red skin syndrome is that I've had clients who have gone through the exact same scenario that you have been through, which is very frustrating for me as part of their support system, watching their symptoms, their concerns, their issues being dismissed. One client in particular was tested for all sorts of random weird diseases, and ultimately we found the documentary preventable, and her watching that documentary really solidified for her what was actually going on. And What was incredibly more frustrating was not only were her concerns upon discovering TSW dismissed, but she was ultimately just handed more steroids, stronger steroids that for those of you who know about TSW or who have experienced TSW, it's not going to make things any better, unfortunately. So it became very apparent to me that Since I have this platform, it is crucial that I spread the message about what's happening. I recognize that there is no official medical diagnosis right now. And to be fair, one could even argue that I'm just a clinical nutritionist. I can't diagnose people with anything anyway, but helping to understand their complex symptoms and how it's showing up in their body and their daily experience can help me better support them. And so I found that by educating myself and thus sharing that information, it's my hope that not only will we raise the alarm within the medical community, but we also can educate other practitioners who do listen to this show so that they too will be able to spot these issues instead of just assuming that it's a really bad eczema or psoriasis flare. 
So stay tuned because I definitely have more episodes in the works that will be about TSW. And I'm also going to be talking in the next couple of months about no moisture treatment or NMT for those of you who have heard of that. So stay tuned. With that said, I think we should dive into today's conversation. My guest today, Laura Adler, is back on the show, and she is an environmental toxins expert and educator and a certified health coach who teaches nutritionists, nurse practitioners, and other healthcare practitioners how to eliminate the number one thing holding their clients back from the results they are seeking which is the unaddressed link between chemicals and chronic health problems. She trains practitioners to become experts in everyday toxic exposures so they can improve client outcomes without spending hundreds of hours researching on their own. She combines environmental health education and business consulting, and she has helped thousands of health professionals in over 25 different countries around the world elevate their skill set, improve client outcomes, and become sought-out leaders in the growing environmental health and detoxification field. So let's dive into today's conversation. Thank you so much, Lara, for being back with us. I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me back. I know the last time we talked all about water and what's in your water. And I have to admit that after everything we talked about, I actually went and found my county's or whatever my municipality water thing is. Yes, I found that. And I discovered that I do not have chlorine in my water. It's chloramine. And it was really fascinating to read. We also don't have fluorinated water, which I didn't know. That's good. So it was really helpful. And I just want to, I I say this because I, I think what you offer and what you bring to the table is really Uh, practical. And so for anybody who missed that episode, we'll link to that in the show notes. That way you can go back and listen to that because I do think it's a really important thing to consider what you could be exposed to in your water that obviously looks and may may smell clean, but could have some other issues along with it that you don't know about. And so today I wanted to talk to you about matters of the skin and And how there are toxins in our environment that could potentially be absorbed through the skin. Because I think people don't realize until they basically develop eczema or some sort of skin issue that like, oh, what you use on your laundry or what you put on your body matters. And that these, while it smells lovely and it might be this like perfect shade of pink or fuchsia or (laughs) whatever. It looks great, but there are things in these products that cannot. So I just want to talk about a little bit with you, some of the the things in our environment that may end up getting absorbed through the skin. So do you have any thoughts on just, I guess, absorbability of toxins through skin to begin with? It's, it's, you know, I think it's an important topic, certainly in the discussion of skin, but just in general health as well. Um, You know, there's a lot of um, misconceptions about chemicals and their ability to absorb through the skin. I'm thinking specifically of this like meme that's been going around for years, which is, um, you know, that everything that you put on your skin gets absorbed in 26 seconds. And it usually is depicted 
you know, there's a woman and you have all of these different chemicals and it's just pointing, she's got, you know, her, her bare back and it's showing all these chemical names that are found in products. And this meme is usually shared with the good intention of, um, increasing awareness about chemicals in personal care products. The problem is that the, that statement is not true. It is not factual. Mm. We can't say that all chemicals are absorbed through the skin in 26 seconds. That's just not how skin absorption works. So, um, you know, our skin, as you know, and I'm sure your audience knows it is the, you know, technically it's the largest organ. Yep. Um, it is our first line defender and of our immune system. If we have a major comprom, uh, if our skin is majorly compromised, like our immune system will tank. This is why um, burn victims are so susceptible to infection because their first line defense has been burned away. And so the skin is really important. It serves as this barrier um, to keep a lot of things out. So obviously not everything that we come in contact to is going to be absorbed, but a lot of things are absorbed. And the things that are, are chemicals or substances that have um, a very small molecular size. So this is part of, not all molecules are the same size. And obviously, you know, you're talking about like the right shade of pink, you know, color molecules that we use in our makeup and cosmetic products, like obviously they're not being absorbed into the bloodstream because they're sitting on the surface of the skin. So the molecules of those pigments are large. They're not, I'm not concerned so much about the pigment. I'm concerned about the other ingredients in the product, like fragrance compounds, preservatives, so specifically phthalates and parabens, um, as well as other ingredients that are used in skincare products that are known as penetration enhancers. Mm -hmm. Their job is to basically disrupt the, the structure um, of the skin to allow other chemicals to work their way further down into the epidermis um, so that they can be bioactive at those levels, right? Like we, we don't wanna just treat the dead skin cells on the top of the surface of our skin. We wanna have uh, uh, products penetrate in order to, for, for them to be effective with the caveat that hopefully they're also not harmful. So we do have skin absorption for a lot of chemicals, but it's not like a free pass for everything. So with those, um penetrative ingredients, those things that help it penetrate deeper. Do you, do we see those just in skincare products and makeup or are I they? Care. I don't think that they're, you know, they're also used. I think the only other place that they would be used that I can think of off the top of my head would be um, topical medications. Mm. Um, certainly things like patch, any, any medications delivered via a patch, whether it's like an, an or a nicotine patch or a birth control patch, right? Those those are transdermal patches that's in literally using the skin as a membrane to get um, uh, drugs or compounds into the bloodstream. So we actually know that skin absorption mm -hmm. is real because we have medications that are designed to be delivered that way. Um, but certainly anything that is applied topically um, that contains ingredients that need to be pushed further into the um, layers of the skin or into the bloodstream um, are likely to contain those penetration enhancers. So th they're not necessarily toxic in and of themselves. They're just playing a role that's helping other compounds that might be toxic or have negative gotcha. health effects enter the Got skin. Gotcha. That's it. That is a very good point to make. So for those who are not familiar with the term phthalates, which phthalates doesn't yeah. begin with a T, by the way, <laughs> it begins with a P. No, it's like the most awkwardly 
like the most awkwardly spelled word. Yes, exactly. Every time I try and spell it, I'm like, wait, no, that's not it. And then Google helps me. Yeah, it's So try saying P-H-T-H. Yes. Yes. So what are they? Yeah, there are a class of chemicals. Um, it's There's dozens and dozens of phthalates. Um, they are used for different purposes in different products. They're a plasticizer, so they're found in soft plastic. So think like your shower curtain, a garden hose, sometimes your squeezy ketchup bottle, any kind of plastic that's soft and flexible. Um, not any kind, many kinds. Um, so that's what its job is in plastics. When we switch to the conversation around personal care products, phthalates are are used as a fixative and a preservative for fragrance mixtures. So we don't see the word phthalate on a product label because it's not technically an ingredient in the formulation. It is an ingredient of an ingredient. And that ingredient of, quote, fragrance, that word is a catch-all. There's about 3,000 chemicals, synthetic and natural, that perfumeries have to play with when they're making up a fragrance. A single fragrance probably can be made up of a couple of hundred of different um, chemicals that that make that signature scent. And then phthalates are added to that mixture to make sure that the fragrance is stabilized and that it has a sort of a long life in the product so that when we wash our hair in the morning and like 12 hours later, you can still smell your shampoo. It's because phthalates are fixing that for those fragrance molecules to your hair. The same is true for like laundry detergents and, uh, you know, dryer sheets. I I think of the, I don't remember what dryer sheet company, but they have like these fragrance release beads that they market as like, yes, you can wash your laundry. And then like six months later, you can still smell it. And that's, that's a selling angle for them. But I look at that and go, no, you probably just cranked up the amount of phthalates that are present there. And the reason why these are problematic is because phthalates are uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals. They mimic hormones in the human body and uh, can interfere with normal hormone signaling that can lead to everything from you know, mood and energy issues to increased rates of um, breast cancer or birth defects or any other hormonally modulated effect, which is like most things in the body, right? And so the body can't tell the difference between real hormones and these phthalates, which from a molecular standpoint, they look almost identical. They look really similar. Now, when we go back to the conversation around skin absorption, and I was mentioning molecule size, the low molecular weight phthalates that are used in fragrances as their name suggests, they are a low molecular weight. Their molecule size is very small and it easily passes through the skin into the bloodstream, which is why um, 98% of the population has metabolites of these phthalates in their urine, which is indicative of their presence in the bloodstream and in the body. Um, And so this is why these chemicals are concerning. is, is there, you know, there uh, hormone mimics. Can I ask then, and this might be a dumb question. It might be an easy no, that's not how it works. But you mentioned that like it could be in a shower curtain. It could be in a bottle, the squeezy bottle with the ketchup. Is that a potential avenue for exposure if it's yes. in the, 
Oh, yes, it is because um, you know if we think of glass, for example, as a as a structure, it's in, it's inert. You know, you can put something in the glass; it's not going to permeate through. It's not going to um, change the glass in any way. Um, the molecules that make up that glass are very tightly bound together, and there's no no breaking it. You actually have to physically destroy the glass to break apart those molecules. Plastics are not like that. So the molecules that make up the matrix or the physical structure of plastic, they're not really tightly bound. So what happens is you have molecules that shed and that fall off. And when we come in contact with them, um, we can either ingest them or absorb them or inhale mm -hmm. them. So for example, when you get a new PVC shower curtain, your plastic shower curtain has a smell. That smell is phthalates. Like you are smelling volatile organic compounds and phthalates has that very specific plastic smell. Um, if you put on, um, you know, a Halloween mask, those like cheap rubbery Halloween flexible squishy Halloween masks, they have a smell because they're made with polyvinyl chloride, like I think PVC pipes. And PVC is very rigid, so they add phthalates, sometimes even lead, as a softener to make that plastic soft and flexible. So shower curtains are certainly, you know, we don't we think of these as sort of like benign objects sure. in the home, but they can contribute to um, uh, air that has phthalates present in it. And when phthalates are in our air, one, we are breathing them in, but two, they settle on our floor as dust. And so our house dust is actually an exposure vector for phthalates and a lot of other chemicals. And this is most concerning for babies and young children that spend their time on the floor and that put everything in their mouths. So they have hand to mouth behaviors that's increasing um, oral uh, exposure to these phthalates and certainly um, pets. Mm -hmm. I know you're a cat person. I'm a cat person. Yes. Cats are groomers. Uh, they groom themselves. And so what they're doing is they're ingesting the chemicals that are in the house dust. And um, there's you know, an uptick in feline hypothyroidism mm -hmm. that is um, uh, veterinary uh, science is saying, okay, well, it's probably these thyroid suppressing chemicals like flame retardants that are found in um our homes. So, you know, it, these things don't just disappear. My point is in, in sharing this about house dust is that the chemicals that we bring into our home don't just like vanish when we stop smelling them. They actually persist in the dust in our homes and, and this, those could be absorbed. And, and this does this day. include like the cheap candles and fragrance, um, like the plug it in things, yes, plugins, diffusers, anything that's fragranced is very likely going to have phthalates present. Now, occasionally we see phthalate-free products, um, shampoos, lotions, scented candles, whatever. They say they're phthalate-free. That might be true. Um, there is no um, uh, uh, labeling requirements, and there's nobody really monitoring whether or not that's actually true. So I tend to kind of take those statements with a grain of salt, unfortunately. But phthalates aren't the only issue in those products. So, and uh, even even within the context of fragrance itself, so there's fragrance compounds, musks that are used as fragrance formulations, even if phthalates aren't present, that can be allergenic, that can cause asthma, respiratory issues for people. And so fragrance in general is not ideal, but all of these scented candles, air fresheners, mm. fabric sprays, plug-ins, diffusers, all of these things. The breeze? 
Febreze. <laughs> Febreze. Um, It'll take the odor, the bad odor out of anything and make it smell good. And interestingly, some of these air freshener products actually contain um, a, a small amount of this nerve deadening agent so that when it like kills the nerves inside your sinuses and your nostrils to help you not detect odors. So you're like, I don't smell anything. Ooh. How messed up is that? That's really bad. It's really that's, bad. Like that's yeah. just, they don't have to tell you that they're in there either. So that's where we have, you know, some issues around regulation. But the point is that we, we are absorbing chemicals through our skin. And I think the reason why this, it's an, it's an overlooked piece of the conversation, but there's a couple of reasons why this is important. And the first one for me is that, you know, when we ingest a food or a toxin or something, it goes through the digestive system. It has the opportunity to interact with the gut microbiome, which can help to start breaking down and metabolizing those toxins. It works its way directly to the liver, which is our primary detox organ, which helps to break apart and, and sort of pair up and excrete these toxins in your poop and pee. When we absorb things through our skin or when we inhale things, they bypass what's called first pass metabolism, which is what's happening through that digestive system in the liver. And so they're bypassing that. And, they, and what that means is they work their way into the bloodstream first and they circulate throughout the body. Eventually they'll make their way to the liver through the circulation of the blood. But before they get there, they are just in your bloodstream. Mm. And so they don't have the benefit of being broken down by the liver first, which is important. So that's why um, skin absorption and inhalation of chemicals is a really big deal. And skin absorption, we know, can happen fast. So for example, um, people that have heart disease often carry nitroglycerin tablets, which you put under your tongue. And if you feel like you're having a heart attack, it will work instantly. And that's because of the, the um, uh, absorptive nature of the skin in your mouth. That is skin right? It is very highly absorptive and it goes right into the bloodstream immediately. So we know that skin is absor absorptive. Um, and I just think we do need to have, um, take caution when we're putting products on our skin um, because we know that they can enter into our bloodstream. The other thing, the reason why I think this is an important conversation is that a lot of these chemicals can be disruptive to the microbiome of our skin, Right. And a lot of things can do that. And that microbiome is important. It's protective. I mean, this is why, you know, when you talk to some estheticians, they're like, stop it with the chemical peels and all this harsh stuff because you are destroying the acid mantle of your skin, which is there for a reason. It's, it's, a, it's there to, to that, that acid nature is there to, to help destroy bacteria that is your skin is coming in contact with. So if we disturb that, we shift the whole microbiome of our skin and that in and of itself can lead to some problems. Yeah. I, and I just want to ask one quick question, like for those who, I know it's always like gets overwhelming of like, where do you start? And obviously starting to, to get rid of some of these personal care products, especially the ones that you're applying right to your skin. That's where you want to start making some changes. I think immediately to me, the yeah. second place is your cleaning products. Um, I like branch basics. Do you feel like they're, they oh, are a great, yeah, they're great. 
Yes, I love them. I use them in my own home. Um, they're super effective, and you know the, the concentrate is just so multi multi purpose. I use it for everything. Um, I've heard so you get you get what was it cat vomit or something? You got like some all yeah, sorts I of cat get, issues out of, out of your rugs. <laughs> I get cat puke out of the carpet, mm. um, which is a lived experience that only cat owners will True. know about true but there are many there are many i'm sure dog owners that listen yeah, to this and and baby baby and young children parents of babies and young children who also vomit dogs. too i don't know i don't know but I either don't know dogs, i just don't know if dogs or babies are like cats who intentionally seek out the carpet so i don't know I don't know. Anyway, can't sorry. say. I can't say. But that's a good option for people that are looking for something because yeah. they do. You can make hand soap, um, like kitchen cleanser, bathroom cleanser, yeah. window cleanse, or like a window glass cleaner. First, glass yeah. cleaner. And yeah. then you can use it for your laundry too. Yeah, I use it for laundry. I use it for my laundry. Um, they're great. I okay. use it for everything. So that would be a great option if somebody's looking for like a multi-purpose one-stop shop for getting yeah. some of the chemical, some of these chemicals out of their house. Yes, totally. Okay, cool. I wanted to ask you, cause I felt like you have a lot of experience with, with them. And I had just started using them a few months ago and I've really come to appreciate what they offer. My husband loves them. He's really sensitive to chemicals and smells and he's been really happy with it as well. So I'm glad to hear they that they, have... they've checked the, they check the box off yeah, as being safe. Have... They don't have any added fragrances. They don't leave any lingering scents. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's, at least in the conversation of home fragrances and the sort of overuse of scented products is, first of all, clean doesn't have a smell. Clean doesn't need to, not need to smell like pine or lemon or whatever. It just doesn't smell like anything. And oftentimes people use a lot of these fragrance items in their homes to cover up a bad smell that they can't figure out the source of. And my mind will immediately go to like a moldy or musty mm. smell. And so we don't want to mask smells. We want to figure out where they're coming from. And you just don't need all of these um, uh, scented products. If you do want your house to smell like something, you can use a good quality essential oil, um, a diffuser. And even those I encourage people to use sparingly because, you know, we just, we just don't need to have, be super saturated in, in scent. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much, Laura. I appreciate you being here. I'm sure we could have talked about this for another two hours, Probably. but, um, I know that we've got to, we've got to be mindful of the listeners time. And so we'll have to have you come back sometime, but, um, Absolutely. how can everyone find you? Uh, people can find me on my website, which is just lauraadler.com, L-A-R-A-A-D-L-E-R.com. And they can find me on Instagram at Environmental Toxins Nerd. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us again. I appreciate it. And I look forward to having you back for one of these deep dive chemical and toxin conversations. Look forward to it. I am so appreciative that Laura was willing to come back and share this information with you. In fact, I think it's crucial that every single one of us understand the consequences of all of these chemical exposures. The point here isn't to scare you, right? That's never the point, but to educate you so that you can make better decisions. It's interesting that when somebody develops a rash, like when I developed dyshidratic eczema, the first thing that was told to me was like, change your soap, change your laundry detergent, change my shampoo, my conditioner, all that stuff that I was touching with my hands. 
but nobody really tells you about these other chemicals that can still exist in the free and clear alternatives and can be in our environment that could also be causing problems as well. And so to me, this information, while it is important for those of us in the skin rash community, it's also crucial for our children, for our parents, for our friends, our neighbors. This is basic information that many of us do need to hear, which means that if you share this episode, you're providing a really great opportunity to those in your direct community to become educated on this topic and to start caring a little bit more about the things that they are being exposed to on a daily basis. Because remember, sharing is caring, right? I always ask you guys that to make sure to share these episodes. So for any of the resources that Lara and I discussed, or if you're interested in trying out my favorite cleaning products, Branch Basics, all of the links and everything can be found at skinterrupt.com forward slash 187. And you can also leave a question or comment there. That way we can keep the conversation going. And if you haven't done so yet, please take a moment, share your thoughts over on iTunes or whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Rate and review the show. Share why you love it. Maybe share about a particular episode or just about the show in general. It means a lot, not just to me, but to the person searching for a show. Your advice, your opinion actually means a lot. And of course, if you subscribe, that means you will not miss any of the weekly inspiration, tips, research, and interviews that are coming your way. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.